Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Well, good morning to all of you, or whatever time you may be watching this message. Well, I recognize that we're doing something a little bit different this week. For some of you, you're watching this at Church Online, and again, I want to welcome all of you there. But for some of you, you're watching this message in advance or after the weekend. What you all need to know is that due to Serve Sunday, this special project that we're doing on Sunday morning here at the Grove, where we're packaging over 100 Thanksgiving meal kits for families in need in the Dallas area, because of that event, it's required that we're going to need to record this sermon and our service uh, during the week. And so right now it's almost Wednesday at noon. And so at this time of recording, we don't know what has happened in the presidential election. And so uh, you might recognize that some of the language and the choices of words I might be using don't reflect what's happened in our nation over the next couple of days um, between now and the time that you might be watching this. So I just want to make that caveat and that note to you whenever you're watching this message. But Independent of the fact that we don't have all of the information about the conclusion of the presidential election and maybe what's happened in the nation over the next couple of days, what I do think that this message will do for us is kind of refocus us on what maybe our world and nation needs more than ever. See, I believe that the thing that James is telling us about in this morning's sermon and the the thing that he is pointing us to is something that we need to be reminded of. And I think maybe more than any political party in control of the Senate or the House or any political party or any political candidate in in election in office of the presidency, more than any of those things that our nation and our world need, our community needs, is I believe that the world needs Christians who do more than just live out their faith in name alone. Christians who have a faith that is broader than just how they identify themselves. It's something that manifests in their actions. It's a faith that manifests in their choices. It's a faith that manifests in their priorities and in in their values. It's a faith that can be demonstrated in every category and in every moment of their lives. I think that that's what this nation and this world needs more than anything else is Christians who actually embody the faith that they proclaim to hold. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning in the message that James brings to us You see, we are in week two of a sermon series called Faith Works, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. This is maybe one of the most famous passages in the New Testament and some of the letters. It's this conversation between the difference between what faith is and what works are. And so James walks us through kind of what these terms mean and what their relationship is to each other. And I think now more than ever, our world needs people who live out a faith that actually works. And so we're going to dive right in this morning to the the words that James has for us. We're going to be in the second chapter of James and then starting in the 14th verse. So if you are watching on Church Online, you can click along in the Bible tab and follow along with us. Or if you want to pull it up on a computer screen that you may be watching at another time, I hope that you will. And if not, I'm just happy to read all of it to you. So we're going to jump right in. Here it is, James in the second chapter, and in the 14th verse, this is what James has to say to the audience that he is writing to at the time, but I think it's what James has to say to us today. My brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say they have faith, but they do not have works? Another way to read this is, my brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say they have faith, but they do nothing to show it? 
And so right off the bat, James is talking about this contrast between two terms, two ideas, faith and works. Uh, something that we'll use throughout the rest of this passage is instead of the word works, is we're going to use the word action. And so James is kind of differentiating between these two ideas. You see, what James is going to go on to say is that faith is something more than a series of ideas that we believe in. Faith is something more than knowledge we hold about God or about Christianity. Faith is something more than just something that exists in our head. It's something that manifests in our heart and then demonstrates and pours out of our heart into our lives and into our actions. And what James is talking about in works, this other idea that he's contrasting, is he's talking about real-world application of the thing that you claim to believe. He's talking about the deeds that you do, the choices that you make, the way that you interact with other people you know, in love and kindness, the way that you demonstrate the love of God through your actions towards others. It's really similar to this idea you know, that Jesus is synthesis of all of the commandments. He says, love God and love others. James is saying that's what works means. It's focusing on the love of God in your life, flowing out of your life into the way that you treat other people. And so James says that there is a purpose to our faith. It's not just about believing the right things. There is something more that it requires. Because James asked this question, and it's rhetorical. What good is it if people say they have faith, but they don't do anything to show it? And the answer is, it has no good. There's no value to a faith apart from its demonstration and its action in our lives. So he goes on, he says, can claiming to have faith, can that save anyone? And again, it's a rhetorical question, the answer is no. And so this idea of faith saving someone is this idea of salvation, and it's actually this idea of delivering from harm. And so typically we think about this idea of saving in terms of kind of the afterlife and this eternal quality to it. But what we're going to see in James's nuance is that there's actually a very earthly, temporal, right now context to it as well. James is saying, can faith, apart from works, deliver us from the harm that exists? both in this life and in the next? And his answer to this rhetorical question is no. It's not just about the afterlife for James. It's not just about believing the right things, checking off the right ideas or the belief systems, and then waiting for something to happen after we die. That's not what James is talking about. He's talking about a faith that manifests in our everyday life, in our everyday choices. It's not about an afterlife for James, but it's about abundant life here and now. But it's not just abundant life for us, but it's about how our activity, our faith in demonstration in our life creates abundant life for other people as well. And this is what he says. In verse 15, he says, imagine, think about, paint a picture. Imagine that there's a brother or sister, somebody you know, maybe a neighbor down the street, someone in your small group at the church, maybe someone that you've grown up with, somebody that you know, a brother or sister, who's naked and never has enough food to eat. Now this is, in James's time period and the time period that these people are listening to this, this is not like some momentary inconvenience. It's not, this isn't somebody who just, you know, they had, you know, a rough week and they're struggling a little bit and, you know, the paycheck hasn't cleared the bank account and all the things. No, this is somebody who's, you know, living close to the edge of the loss of life. This is somebody who's destitute in deep need of just basic human necessities. And so James is saying, listen, imagine a brother or sister 
who is near death, who is suffering, not living the type of life that God desires for all of us. God doesn't wish any of us would live in difficult means, in difficult circumstances, not having access to clean water and enough food and to clothing and shelter and all these things. James is saying, listen, imagine somebody who's really, really struggling. And what if you said to them, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal, and then you waved and walked off. Can you imagine that situation? Somebody comes to you truly in deep need, and the certainty of their need is clear and obvious. You know, this is one of the things that I struggle with when I see people who are kind of asking for money on the street corners. Part of my brain wants to evaluate the validity of the need that they're claiming. Now, you know, there's some issues with that, I think, and so we can talk about that in a future sermon, but I think what James is talking about is not somebody that you're unsure about their need. What James is talking about in this moment is somebody that it is obvious that they truly need help, that they truly need something, um, because they are close to death. So in this moment, James says, what good would it be for you to just give them some encouragement? It's going to be okay. Don't worry. No, pick yourself up. You'll make it. Stay warm. I hope you get some food. Imagine a warm blanket and a fireplace that you can cuddle up next to. James is saying, what good would that be? Would that do that person? It would not help them in any measurable way. James is saying this is what faith apart from works is like. He says in verse 17, in the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful action. You see, this idea of faith being dead apart from faithful action is the recognition that we miss out on the life that God has for us when we don't live a life of faith that is demonstrated in faithful action. God has called us to be his partners and his agents in the world. God has called us to live in a way that loves him and to live in a way that loves others. And the promise in doing that is that is the fullest, richest, most meaningful, most abundant life that we can possibly live on earth. It's not about all of the successes that we might be able to achieve. It's not about all the material wealth that we might be able to acquire or all of the power that we can, you know, be able to possess in this life. What scripture tells us again and again and again is the way to live the fullest life possible, an eternal life, a life beyond life here and now, is when you live it as God intended. And the way that God intends us to live our lives is to love God and to love others. And so when James says that faith, when it doesn't result in faithful action, is dead, he's talking about there's an absence of life. There's an absence of life for us because when we have a type of faith that isn't demonstrable, that doesn't result in faithful action, we miss out on the opportunity to live the life that God has called us to. And and there's another side of this. It's not just about us. When we don't live a faith that demonstrates in faithful action, we aren't able to provide life to other people. Because see, this is how God created this whole system. We are his partners. We are his agents in the world. God blesses us to then be a blessing to others. He works through us and he works through our lives. He works through our actions. He works through our good deeds. So go back to the scenario that James paints for us. Imagine somebody who's in deep need. And you just say to them, good luck. I wish you well. Be encouraged. We miss out on participating in what God has called us to do by serving them, by demonstrating our faith, by loving our neighbor as ourselves. We miss out on that life. 
and that person who is in need misses out on access to resources and abundance that God wants for them as well. They miss out on the opportunity to experience life as God has called them to as well. God did not create this world to be broken, for people to live in poverty and homelessness and you know, scarcity of resources. That is not how God designed this system. But through the brokenness of the world and our individual choices and collective choices, this is the world we find ourselves in. And so God says, listen, I have a plan, and the plan is for all of you to have abundant life, here and now. And the way that you can access that abundant life is when you live your faith in action, because that allows you to tap into the system and the plan as it was created, and it allows others to experience the life that was meant for them as well. You see how that works? God doesn't equip us and resource us and allow us to achieve some measure of financial success and some measure of blessing and abundance just to hoard it for ourselves. This is not how it's designed. It's not that we get all the toys and we don't have to share with anybody. It's not how God designed the system. James is pointing us to the simple fact and truth that the way that this is designed is for us to leverage what we have in service and in need to those who are in need. This is exactly why we're doing Surf Sunday this morning or whenever you watch this message on Sunday morning. This is why we're doing Surf Sunday. Because we believe that we are called to live out our faith in faithful action. That we are supposed to demonstrate God's goodness to other people. God isn't just good to us. God is good to us. And our job and responsibility is to then in turn be good to others. To share the blessing with other people. This is what James is saying. Our faithful action looks like loving our neighbor as ourself. And so this is the whole point that James is trying to make. You can't have faith apart from action. You can't have faith apart from works. It's not just about a belief system. It's not just about an ideology. It's not just about certain knowledge about scripture or an ability to memorize and quote things back to people. It's about something that manifests and transforms the human heart that then becomes the output and the activity of your own life. James is saying, listen, when you truly have faith, when you truly trust in and obey God, it will be demonstrated in the way that you live your life. He goes on. He explains it further. He says, some might claim. He's kind of creating this hypothetical argument to the kind of the point that he's made that we've just talked through. He's saying, listen, some of you might push back. You might say, well, some person, one person can have faith and another person can have works or another person can have action. And he's saying, why can't it exist that the two are separate from each other? And James would retort, and this is his kind of response back to that objection that somebody might push back on. And he says, okay, but how can I see your faith apart from your actions? Demonstrate your faith. How do we have any sense and certainty of the faith that you claim that exists? James is saying you can't do it. It would be like, uh, for example, if you had a tree, and you had maybe a tree in the middle of a whole orchard. Maybe imagine that it was an apple orchard, and you had one tree. And in the springtime, there were no blossoms and there were no buds. There were no leaves on this tree. And in the summertime, it didn't produce any fruit. And the leaves of the tree or, you know, or the limbs of the tree remained barren. There was nothing on it. And then the next year, the same thing happens. There's no buds. There's no leaves. There's no fruit. And then the next year, the same thing happens. There's no buds. There's no leaves. There's no fruit. At some point, you would conclude that the tree is dead. Now, why would you come to that conclusion? It's because the tree is not producing anything that is indicative of and demonstrates the life that exists within it. Now, 
the, the contrary isn't true. So what James is saying is, listen, imagine that you have a tree. And you look at it, and one day you see an apple hanging off the edge of the tree. The apple isn't what gives life to the tree. It's not that the, that, that the works, the action that we do, creates faith. Life doesn't come from the apple. But the apple is the result of and the evidence of the life that exists within the tree. So James is saying, if you kind of try to make the argument that one person can have faith and one person can have works, he's saying, no, what you end up with is a barren tree. If there's never any fruit, if there's never any evidence, if you can never see the apples on the tree, then that tree's dead. That faith is dead. And this is what he says again and again. He says, instead, I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice, by demonstrating it in faithful action. If you want to have some assurance that the tree is alive, that there's actually faith there, then you've got to look at the fruit. And you can't separate the two from each other. He goes on in verse 19, he says, it's good that you believe that God is one. Again, he's kind of working back into this argument about the separation between faith and works, the separation between faith and the actions that we demonstrate in life. And he's saying, okay, so maybe you want to claim that you have a belief system. And he says, so maybe you say that you believe that God is one. Now, this would have been really uh, familiar language to the people who heard this at the time because what he's referring to is kind of the central idea and the central belief of the Jewish faith. It's the idea of the oneness of God. And there's even a famous ancient Jewish prayer called the Shema, which talks about hero Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is found in Deuteronomy 6. This is kind of the central tenet and the central theme that differentiates the Jewish faith from all of the other faiths in the world. This belief in one God and this one God who is the Lord. And James is saying, okay, so you believe that God is one. I got bad news for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble with fear. And so James is saying, listen, there's no difference in believing that God is one. There's no difference between you and the demons. He's saying it can't just be a belief system. It can't just be something that exists in our heads. It can't just be something that we carry around in a mental checklist or a mental set of ideas. We all recognize that there are people who we've come across who they kind of have this dry, crusty version of this type of faith. They know all of the things about the faith. They might be able to point to you in Scripture where all the things exist. But then when you look at their life, they're cruel, they're selfish, they're self-centered. They don't do anything to help others or to care for others. They're only focused on their own needs. James is saying, you look at that and you tell me that that's evidence of faith? No, he would call that probably knowledge. Ideas about, beliefs about and that's no different than the demons. James is saying if you really want to have faith, if you really want to be a person of faith, it has to result in faithful action. It has to manifest in your choices. It has to inform the way that you parent your children. It has to inform the way that you spend your money. It has to inform the things that you consume or don't consume in your life. This isn't a thing that exists in one hour or on a Sunday morning or in certain company, or on certain religious holidays. James is saying this faith, it isn't just something that you pick up and put down at your convenience. It isn't something that you just hold in your head. This is something that is demonstrable 
in every moment of your life based on the way that you treat others, based on the choices that you make and the actions that you make day in and day out. Now, we acknowledge that we don't always get this right, and people are really difficult to deal with. And so one of the most common prayers in the Christian faith, kind of this prayer of confession is, God, we have failed to love you with our whole heart, and we have failed to love our neighbor as ourself. The reason is this is the central thing that God is calling us into, to love God and to love others. And it is also really difficult. It is really hard to put our faith into action. It is really hard to demonstrate our faith in our choices and our actions in the way that we treat people. But James is saying this is what it means to be a person of faith. This is what it means to be someone who calls themselves Christian. It's not a name. It's not a title. It's not reflective in the jewelry that you wear or the things and emblems that you place on a vehicle or you know, where you spend your holidays or how you spend your holidays. James is saying none of that has anything to do with what it means to be a person of faith. None of that has anything to do with what it means to be a Christian. James makes it really clear. If you want to be a person of faith, you have to be a person that demonstrates your faith in action, that loves others, that treats others with kindness and respect. Right now might be the most difficult time in hundreds of years for us to do this, to put this into practice, to live out our faith in action. Our world might be, and our nation might be more divided than it's ever been in a long time. But I think it's the perfect setting, and I think it's the perfect opportunity for us as people of faith to step up to the call, to step up to the charge and the invitation to actually live out our faith in our life. This is why we do things like Serve Sunday. This is why we do things like toy drives for the birthday party project. This is why we are committed to serving those who are in need because we recognize that without the output, without the activity, without the faithful demonstration of what we say we believe, our faith is dead. We are a barren tree without blossom, leaves, or fruit. And what do you do with dead trees? You get rid of them. Our world needs people of faith who live out their faith in faithful action. And so that would be my call and my charge to us as people, my call and charge to us as a church. How could we in greater measure live out our faith and our actions? How could we in greater measure be more generous with those around us, be more gracious to those around us, to let go of our resources to share them, to give them away knowing that God can use them, that God can turn them into the opportunity to provide life and abundant life to other people. This is why I believe it's so important to support the church because it is about letting go of what you have been given to allow God to use it to give life to other people, but to spread the message of hope, to spread service, to spread care and need for those who struggle. This is what it means to be a person of faith. It means to be someone who lives their faith out in action. Now more than ever, we need to be this type of people. Not just in name, but in action. And I believe that we can. Because I know God will use us and work through us and strengthen us and equip us to do that in greater measure each and every day. And so that's my call and challenge to us as a church, that we would be people who would reprioritize our values, reprioritize our choices, reprioritize our actions, and that we would begin to demonstrate what it means to love God and to love others. Let me pray for our time together this morning. Gracious God, we thank you. We know that 
this place that we find ourselves in is still tenuous and it is still uncertain and there are new ways that we experience that uncertainty but God the one thing that we can trust in is that you are always at work in the world and you are always equipping us to be at work in your world so God help us to be people of faith not just in idea not just in belief but a faith that manifests in results and faithful action in the world to give to those in need to help others, and to love those as you have loved us. This is our prayer, and we ask for your help in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.